So Moses and Jesus compared. You might be saying to yourself, what are you talking about? But we're looking at how Moses and Jesus were much alike, and it was actually a prophetic story in Moses showing us who the Messiah is. So he humbled himself. That's what we're looking at in this episode, you guys. So exciting that we're doing this. So in Numbers 12.3, it says, Now the man Moses was very humble, more than any person who was on the face of the earth. So who wrote that, right? I mean, Moses being the most humble man in the world, who wrote that? Yes, Moses wrote that. Now, we might laugh at that a little bit, but all scripture is given by God, breathed by God. In other words, it's all inspired by the Holy Spirit. Men wrote it, but the Holy Spirit inspired those men, and it's the perfect, inerrant, it means perfect word of God. God. God's word is perfect. So if Moses wrote that, it's true. He was the most humble man on the earth. And so we believe that. So here we are. Now we're going to look at a timeline real quick just to see where we're at. So the biblical timeline. Remember, BC means before Christ. I think they call it BCE now, before common era, because people are trying to wipe Christ off of the map, right, or off of the books. And then AD doesn't not, it doesn't mean after death, like many believe. It means Anno Domini, which means the year of our Lord, the very first Christmas, the very uh, year that Jesus was born. That's what the timeline means. So here we are in Moses. It's right around 1400 B.C., We know Joseph was around 2000 to 1900 BC, and then time counts down in the BC time before Christ. It counts down to what? To this magnanimous moment when Jesus was born, and he died on the cross, and he rose from the dead. History itself points to Jesus. So that might be something you want to check out if you're not a believer, right? (laughs) So then we know later he died at 32 AD. He was born at 0 AD, which is Anno Domini, which means it's Latin for meaning the year of our Lord. And then at 32, he died on the cross at 33 years old. And uh, here we are today. Israel was rebirthed miraculously at 1948. And here we are today at 2023 when this is recorded. Here's a closer look at that. So creation, Adam and Eve. There was the flood. We don't know times or dates of any of those things. We know that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were right around 24 to 2500 to 2000 before Christ uh, Moses was right, or excuse me, Joseph was right after 2000. And then we have Moses. He was around 1400 uh, in that era, 1400 before Christ. David was around 1000. It counts down, right? Isaiah was around 700. Daniel, Ezekiel, Zechariah, those guys were like 600 to 500 BC, which means before Christ. So the Old Testament, okay, the Old Testament is called the Tanakh. The Tanakh, that's how they would pronounce it in Israel today. If you visited Israel, they would say their Bible is the Tanakh. What does that mean? Well, here, if you look at this, the T-A stands for the Torah, the N-A stands for the prophets, and then the K-H stands for the writings, which are like the Psalms and the Proverbs and such forth. So that's where we get that. Now, We know in Luke chapter 24, Jesus said this. He said, these are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all the things that are written about me in the law of Moses, that's the Torah, right? And the prophets, that's that in Ave, that the prophets, right? And then the Psalms must be fulfilled. Now, what does that mean? Why is that important? Because you guys... 
Jesus put the Bible, the Old Testament, in that order, the same order that the Jewish people do today, the Tanakh. Isn't that interesting? So that how does that tie into what we're looking at now? Because Jesus said, he himself said it right here, that these were all speaking of him, of Yeshua, if you're in Israel, of Jesus. All of those scriptures were speaking of him. So the books of the Tanakh, here it is, broken down, right? So the Navim is the prophets. That's that N-A in the middle. The first part, the T-A, the Torah, and then the last, the Ketuvim, which are the writings in the Psalms. So I just thought it would be fun to go through that, show you how it all breaks down. There's the first five books, right? And then here's the prophets, and then here's the Psalms. Fun stuff, right? So right now, what are we looking at? We're looking at Moses, Moshe, if you're in Israel, who wrote the first five books of the Bible. So Philippians 2 says, have this attitude in yourselves, which is also in Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus, who as he already existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped but emptied himself by taking the form of a bond servant and being born in the likeness of man. Now that's important because Moses, right, or Moshe did the same thing. His people, when he realized who his people were, they were servants or slaves, you could say, right? They were being mistreated and he went to go visit them. So let's look at some more scripture here. But first look at this. Moses, he humbled himself. He was the most humble man on earth. Even though he wrote that, it was inspired by God. Here's an actual Egyptian throne right here that's in a museum. Perhaps Moses sat on that. We don't know. But he sat, came down as a prince of Egypt, a son of Pharaoh and his his daughter, right? And came down and humbled himself to be with who? With the Jewish people, with the Hebrews. Here's a star of David. I thought it would be appropriate to put that on him because he humbled himself that much to come down and to be with them. Jesus did the same thing. He came off the throne to come down to rescue his people Israel and those of us who also are Gentiles would believe in him. So Philippians continues, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, death on the cross. Again, he humbled himself. He came down from the throne. So here, Acts chapter 7 is very important because Stephen, just before he was martyred, he gives us typology, typology or types of Christ. It's a way of showing that there were people who lived a life in the Old Testament, like Moses, like Joseph, who show us a picture of Jesus. And it's an amazing study, and it's a very important study because it helps you understand books like the book of Revelation and other books in the New Testament. And it gives you an overall understanding and knowledge of God. If you really want to know God, you're saying, it's all about relationship. Don't make an idol out of the Bible. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. This is God's words. These are his words. How do you get to know somebody? By listening to his words or her words. That's how you get to know a person. And that's what God's doing here for us. So let's go back into this Acts chapter 7. Stephen speaking here. He says, Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was proficient in speaking and action. 
But when he was approaching the age of 40, it entered his mind to visit his countrymen, the sons of Israel. Or you could say the Hebrew people who were what? They were being enslaved at this time. They were being mistreated. But he come to, he came down off of his throne and humbled himself to be with them. And then it continues. Stephen continues in Acts 7. When, and when he saw one of them being treated unjustly, he defended and took vengeance for the oppressed man by fatally striking the Egyptian. So here's an actual picture from Egypt, from ancient Egypt, of the Egyptians whipping and being brutal as taskmasters over these slaves. These are probably slaves from Africa. There could be some Hebrews mixed in here. But these were evil oppressors. And it was a horrible thing with how they treated these people. So it continues in Stephen's uh, teaching to these religious leaders. He says, And he thought that his brothers understood God was granting them deliverance through him. So when Moses humbled himself, he came down to his Hebrew people. He thought that God, that they understood that God was bringing him to deliver his own people. In that same way, Jesus came down the first time. They didn't understand, but they did not understand. There it is right there, right? They did not understand, Stephen pointed out. In other words, they didn't understand the first visitation, that it was he, that it was Jesus was the Messiah, So there's a typology in the story of Moses. This is amazing. And then Stephen continues, And on the following day, he appeared to them as they were fighting each other. And he tried to reconcile them to peace by saying, Men, you are brothers. Why are you injuring each other? But the one who was injuring his neighbor pushed him away, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Wow, does that not sound like how the religious leaders were speaking to Jesus, like Caiaphas, right? Are you the Messiah? Tell us plainly, are you the Christ? And Jesus says, I am. And he ripped his clothing, Caiaphas did, and and he said, this is blasphemy. Well, Caiaphas, my friend, was of the... uh, he was of the Sadducees, and the Sadducees were of the Hellenistic religious leaders, those who were influenced by Antiochus Epiphanes, that evil Antichrist guy. Well, they were they were even called Antiochans in those days because they were just political leaders. They weren't even real true believers. The Pharisees actually were. They were religious to the point of being too um, lawful and, you know, very... You know, they're very much so uh, just believing in the law and not the letter of the law, the love that God wanted them to have for the other people. But they did believe in the resurrection. The Sadducees didn't, life after death, right? And they were not of that Hellenistic uh, belief. They believed in life after death, which is a very important thing. The Sadducees didn't believe that. That means they were like atheists. They were like the, the liberals of today. All right. Well, let's continue on here. So we know that they said, and Stephen pointed out, who made you God or judge, prince and judge over us? Well, who did that? I'll tell you who did it. God did. (laughs) God did. Stephen's pointing that out. And it was a picture of Jesus in Moses' story. So who made you a ruler and judge over over us? They said, it was God, my friend. 
Remember this in Isaiah 53, he was despised and rejected by men. He was speaking of the Messiah right there. And Isaiah 53 continues, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Wow. Does that not speak of of even Moses at this point? But it definitely speaks of Jesus. Jesus was despised. He was rejected. He was a man of sorrows when he took that cross on his shoulders. And he was uh, familiar and acquainted with grief. He understood that. He sweat droplets of blood. There's only one other place that's recorded in medical history where that happens when these capillaries break in the pores because of high stress. And that's when the men in war, in horrible war, like the trenches of World War I, would have to go out of the trenches and attack. And they would actually, there was recordings or records of them sweating droplets of blood. So Jesus went through horrendous stress and he was acquainted with grief. Why? He did this for you and he did this for me, my friend, so that we could be saved, so that we could be rescued. He went on a great rescue mission. He humbled himself, came down from the throne, lived among us, lived in Israel, came to Israel first. And then to the whole world, to what? To rescue us from our sin. Because we have failed God. We have sinned and there's nothing we can do about it. We were hopeless and helpless. So Jesus came down off his throne to rescue us and he did. But you must believe in him and follow him. Just like when Moses was down there. If you didn't believe Moses or follow Moses when they left, right? The Exodus, when they exited Egypt out of the slavery then you wouldn't have been saved either. You had to believe, and you must believe in Jesus to be saved by the Father, by the Father God. And if you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, you can do that right now, my friend. He took on, he did the heavy lifting for you so you wouldn't have to do it. He was acquainted with that cross and the the pain of, of having all the wrath of God on him. Your wrath that you deserve for your sins, my sins, on him, and he paid for it all. But you must believe in him. How do you believe in him, you might be saying? Well, first you have to open your heart and you have to talk to him and and admit you're a sinner. And then ask him to save you and forgive you, and he will. You can do that right now, my friend. You can pray this prayer with me. Just repeat these words after me. If that's convicting your heart, if you would like to do that, To repent, that means turn away from your sin and your sinful ways and to receive him as your Lord and as your Savior. You can do that right now. Would you like to? Just say this prayer after me. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and I am sorry for my sin. Please forgive me of my sin. Thank you for dying on that cross, Jesus, and shedding your blood for me. I believe that you died on that cross, and I also believe that in three days you were raised from the dead, and you are alive today. I believe in you, I trust you, and I choose to follow you as my Lord and as my Savior from this day forward. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, my friend, if you did that, heaven rejoices over what you just did. It says that in the Bible, over one sinner who repents, who turns to God, heaven rejoices. So, hey, God bless you. Comment down below if you prayed that prayer. I'd love to pray for you. 
And uh, God bless you guys. See you next time. Oh, and don't forget, hit this playlist right here and you'll see all the episodes in how to find Jesus in the Old Testament. So click on that.